Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, the podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExplorerX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story. And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globetrotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better and how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. We're doing things a little bit differently today, and that the other founder of Explorer X, Jake Halpert, will be taking Michael's place as co-host today. As you'll come to find out in this episode, Jake has a long history with our special guests, so it seemed rather appropriate to have him on and sharing his stories as well. Our guest today's given name is Gordon Hempton, but he goes by the Sound Tracker. He's a Pacific Northwest-based acoustic ecologist who has circled the globe three times over the span of 35 years in search of the wildest and least settled places on earth where he can hear the rarest of nature's sounds. In this conversation, we'll talk about how he turned listening into a career, his inspiration behind creating quiet parks around the world, and the importance and benefits of really getting out of your comfort zone in a place like the Amazon. You'll hear us talking a lot about Zabalo, which is a particular region in the Ecuadorian Amazon. Gordon takes people here on sound journeys in what we call the Amazon Awakenings Trip. And if you'd like to learn more about this trip and how to join, visit our website, explorer-x.com. And with that, I hope you guys enjoy. Here's Gordon and Jake. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you as well, Rob. Yeah. I don't see any green, you guys. <laughs> my eyes. My oh, eyes. Oh, you've I, always I, got I, it. He's one of those used guys. to be green. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the eternal excuse on St. Patrick's Day. I know. I've been I've been escaping. What is it? When I was growing up, it was St. Patty's Day. And if you didn't have green on, didn't you get a pinch or... Yeah, kick in the pants, yeah. something like that. There was some something that. Robin, is that a tree in your house? Yes, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it is. It's our support beam. That's awesome. Um, so I don't know if you can see how it attaches to the uh, ceiling. That's beautiful. Here. Awesome. Well, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Oh, on a day like this, uh, beautiful blue spring morning with the songbirds. I'm looking at one outside my office window right now. It's just perched up there and it's had a tired, busy morning of singing already. It's sitting alone, so it was not successful at attracting a mate, but it's going to be fun Mm. to watch that Robin over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure he's (laughs) going to catch somebody. Oh yeah. This is just the beginning. Yeah, I'm 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 doing I'm doing good as well. Uh, as as you know, over in Central Washington at the at the moment at uh, my sacred place, the the cabin. It's it's definitely transitioning to spring. The snow is melting and the sun is shining through. It's 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 a beautiful morning out here. Awesome. Well, it's so great to have both of you guys on, and I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, thank you, Robin. So, Gordon, I just kind of want to dive right in. Can you tell our sure. audience a little bit about who you are, and what the heck an acoustic ecologist is. Oh, sure. I'd be 
Happy to, Robin. But since I'm asked that question all the time through my 40-year career, even when I was on location and people would wonder why I'm wandering around with a human head on the end of a stick, which is actually my microphone system, you know, what do you do? (laughs) And then the second question would be, what do you do for work, right? So there are very few of us around. Basically, I listen for a living. I capture the human experience of being at various uh, destinations around our planet, particularly wilderness areas, but also urban environments. I record uh, the sounds, learn from them because every place is speaking to us. And then I use what I learn along with the sounds to help design products whether it's a video game for Microsoft, whether it's an exhibit for Smithsonian, or whether it's a relaxation app. Basically, most clients know what they want their product to look like, but they have no idea what it should sound like. So Hollywood mm-hmm. has solved that problem by designing the soundtracks for our movies to whatever will do the trick. And so to an acoustic ecologist who studies the language of the land, basically the background, the soundtrack and everything is a bunch of babble, right? And then when a person actually gets to visit a location or listen to one of my products, they'll find that there are messages And the messages are immediately translated into each audience member by how they feel. So I like to say um, frequently, and it's amazing that we should even have to be asked this question, but what do you feel? What do you feel? Uh, When I hear a passing train, I feel exhilaration. I know everybody doesn't feel that with the blare of a train. And when I listen to deep within the Amazon rainforest, I hear a wild voice inside of me, right? I hear that ancient part of me that uh, developed my ears thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So while my role is an acoustic ecologist, myself as a person and this is why jake is such a good friend of mine because i think he also falls under the category of being a pilgrim right we are both on our paths Uh, we know life gets busy and uh, yet uh, fortunately at times like going to the amazon we get to be pilgrims together amazing So how did you get into acoustic ecology in the first place? By accident. I think, um, you know, the great moments in our lives are accidents. 
because if because if we were just to live by how we want to live, we become our own pets, you know, kind of spoiled and bored. My accident was on my way to graduate school because I thought I was going to be a plant pathologist. And completely exhausted, I laid down in a field uh, because I wasn't about to uh, pay a week's worth of groceries by staying in a cheap motel. Um, I laid down in a field to get some rest and a thunderstorm rolled over me and transformed me. I still am transformed and love thunderstorms today. It was exhilarating, just absolutely exhilarating, but it left me at the end of that thunderstorm uh, wondering, frankly, why um, I had never truly listened before. And what I mean by that is my whole life I had been listening for something, listening for this, listening for that, and that for was what was important as dictated by others, listening to the professor lecture, listening to the music over the radio, uh, listening to my parents give me advice, and not listening to all sounds with equal value. And I thought, well, when you listen to everything, especially the background sounds, that's where the true forecasting of the future comes into play, especially the background. When you listen to everything at once, you hear something that we cannot say to each other, but is just as vital to life. And I came out of that thunderstorm going, oh my God, I haven't been listening. That means I don't even know who I am. Mm -hmm. It wore on me. There are a lot of momentum. I continued in graduate school. But I had to drop out because there is a new measure of meaning in my life. And that was that I had to be me. And the hardest job in the world is to try to be someone else. And that's my transformative moment at the age of 27. But I didn't know who I was, right? I just knew the pathway for me to become whoever I was was going to be to simply listen, which is a bold statement. I have to correct myself and say to try to listen. As soon as you think mm. you are listening, you're probably wrong. Okay, just try to listen. Just relax and open up. I say relax, that means back off on the coffee. The smallest bones and muscles in the body are in that middle ear. You have to relax. It's not easy to do, right? In our modern, fast-paced world, relaxing. Mm. So it's so important that when I go to a wilderness area, that I relax, which is not a problem. Wilderness is so deeply relaxing. And it's there, these wilderness places that have really become churches, churches mm -hmm. to my pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. And I've been in church with Jake, and we we kind of mostly laugh in church, don't we, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> A few giggles here and there, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, we've yeah. had some pretty incredible, in, incredible moments that have been transformative to me. You know, spending time in in church with you has has resulted in a new appreciation for you know the the, the quiet. Uh, and uh, you know, like you, I, I realized that I I wasn't listening before, uh, and mm-hmm. it has opened up all new possibilities. You know, for me, and I love I love how you grounded it in in feeling. You know, like I, I think that, mm. you, that that feeling comes from being present, right? And 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 really mm-hmm. recognizing that you're in that moment, and then your ability to listen just expands. You know, and you get, you know, you're listening also, you know, from from what's happening around you, but also the voices that come sort of within you, right? And you get those moments of of clarity, and they they harmonize into mm-hmm. just these really beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for you to to open me up and inviting me into your church. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, spending time in church is surprising up until going in deep within the Amazon with you. I thought I could only be in church alone, right? Because uh, you go with somebody else and they aren't going for the quiet or they're going for a different reason. There's a lot of chatter that goes on, right? That we all kind of echo the places that we come from. And when we come from the modern world and get into the Amazon, we're still busy being modern. It's it's as if we're radioactive and we just have to cool off for a while, which Mm -hmm. we do. But you cool off quickly. I like that. You cool off maybe a little bit more quickly than I do. And then we can just be there and smile at each other while our canoe is sinking into the piranha-infested waters, right? You know, do you remember that? <laughs> that cooled us off pretty quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I have to tell a story. I have to tell a story, Jake. Yeah, go for it. Because I think it really shows well how we echo where we are and when we're in a beautiful place, we feel the inner beauty and we relax and we're willing to accept almost any outcome, right? Any outcome. Well, it was a hot and sweaty day and it was evening. There is Apollo River Wilderness Quiet Park. And so Jake and I, we were cooling off. We were going swimming in the little tributary that eventually would lead to another river and then down into the Amazon itself. We are cooling off and really enjoying ourselves. It's like the, our only opportunity to get cool. And you almost feel like you're getting the sensation of being cold. So it's really precious, especially when you immerse yourself down to the neck, right? So you can go cool off uh, the big arteries. And then I asked Josh, one of our guides, um, why doesn't he come in and join us? And Jake is cheering him on. Come on in. Come on in. You got to join us. And Josh is just sort of shaking his head and he goes, no, um, Kofan, that's the indigenous tribe, Kofan don't swim at night. And so at hearing that, I'm beginning to get out. But Jake stays sitting on the log (laughs) up to his neck and he's grinning like a pumpkin. And and by the time I, I so I asked Josh, Josh why I'm practically out of the water. And he goes, electric eel. And so I'm glad I'm out of the water. Jake is still grinning. And um, then I think it was you, Jake, that asked, uh, is it painful? And 
And Josh goes, no, 600 volt, kill you instantly. <laughs> Jake stays in the water. Jake stays in the water. All right. Frozen in fear. Almost, <laughs> but you had no, you, you remind me of those that sit in, in a sushi bar and eat a potentially poisonous puffer fish, right? Because it might kill you. When you go to the edge, you enjoy yourself on the edge. But I don't want the Amazon to sound like it's a scary place to be because mm -hmm. we have excellent guides who keep us safe. It's just they also allow you to make your scary choices if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought that was a true moment of leadership. And I that's one of my regrets, Jake, is that I got out before I heard the answer. Next time, let's go in together. I promise you I'll stay. We'll see. We'll bet who gets zapped first. Yeah, well, you'd been there a few times. That was my first trip, and I was, I was scouting out. Yeah, and I don't swim at night. <laughs> yeah, since I've been there, I don't swim at night. <laughs> but you do know me well. I do like the edge, and that was, that was an amazing moment to share yep. with, with you and Josh. It felt real. It felt raw, and uh, I felt more alive in that moment than I have in a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we go back again. We do. Right. Yeah. After eight years of not being down there together, something like that, we, we get to and really looking forward to it. It's going to be a special occasion mm -hmm. for us and all those that have signed up to take Amazon Awakenings. Yeah. And I do, I want to get into talking about the Amazon a little bit more, but mm -hmm. I guess first, I kind of want to step back and set this, the foundation a little bit. Gordon, you've adopted this name, the Sound Tracker. Where did that come from, and and what does it mean? It it just emerged, you know. It just emerged as I found myself listening and moving in the direction of what I'd like to hear and where it landed me. You know, I didn't start out recording nature sounds. I started out recording city environments. I thought it was interesting and informative. I had not even listened to cities. And then I fell in love with trains. I hopped locomotives. I particularly enjoy recording uh, the hobo jungles and the stories of people and 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 their different way of life and i enjoyed oh you know going on a sound walk through like even seattle or you know tokyo every city uh, is busy shouting at you and as i moved around mm -hmm. i realized i'm tracking sound i am the sound tracker and it just stuck it just stuck i am yeah. the sound tracker I am the sound tracker <laughs> more than I am Gordon Hempton, right? Um, Gordon Hempton is a name somebody else gave me, and I enjoy it. You know, there are five generations of Gordon Hemptons, but I am the sound tracker of which in my older age, now at 67, only hearing out of one ear and only hearing low frequencies and not very well, even within uh, speech range, I am still the sound tracker. Yes, I, I hear differently, 
but I still hear the real world around me and I'm still on my path. And it's, it's just, I love it. I love it. It's the, by listening to where I am is as distinct and clear as a set of GPS coordinates. You know, the earth is music mm. very very clearly. In fact, the earth is a solar power jukebox. So as you plan your journey, you can actually create your playlist of experiences. And while those are songs that you have not heard before, you have a pretty good idea what the genre is going to be, how loud it's going to play. The season will tell you what the spirit is going to be. Spring is rock and roll. Summer is more productive and consistent. Autumn is uh, more well-rehearsed because there's this resurgence in songbirds singing with the day length matching spring briefly in the autumn and the resurgence of testosterone production in the males and their singing of their rehearsed songs without intent of attracting a mate. They simply sing for the love of singing. It's a beautiful time before we enter, of course, um, to the season of silence, which is winter a very transformative mm -hmm. moment when we're sort of left swaddled in the silence, I feel like, and then ready to burst forward again in spring. It just, you know, just mm -hmm. listen to me. I mean, I'm in love with, I'm in love with earth and the sound and everything that it offers us. And it's all outside of human intention. That's what I love because that yeah. in in my own life choices i think looking back that's that was my problem my personal problem is that i thought i knew when i didn't i made choices basically i guess to learn right my, and learn from my mistakes mm -hmm. but i can if I just listen to the land, it speaks honestly. I've never known wildlife to lie to me. They just, you know, are, right? And encourage me to be who I am, even when I don't know who I am. Quiet has a this, this this magical power of just bringing you down to a level of being and a level of humanity that that I've just grown to appreciate uh, so much. You know, and I love and spoken like a real pilgrim. You know, you you are the soundtracker. You know, Gordon Hempton is a name that was given to you, but you are the soundtracker. And and I and I think that's beautiful because that is your calling. You know, that is you know why you're here. And uh, and I totally. You know, relate and strive to 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 sort of live that way. You know, live in that flow, and 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 I so appreciate that uh, about you. Mm. Thank you, Jake. And uh, you know, Robin, you mentioned you mentioned the the name Soundtracker. You know that Conanas Traveler recently, I think it was Conanas, actually called him the God of Silence. 
Oh, that wow. um, it was afar. Was it afar? Afar. <laughs> yeah. I was a god. I told my wife I was wow. a god and, you know, <laughs> hoping to get better treatment. And uh, it didn't work. It didn't work. But in any case. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is high praise. How would you distinguish or differentiate sound versus noise? Oh, that's very easy. You know, there's the old saying that one person's noise is another person's music, which is total mm. bunk. It's total mm. bunk. No, it's almost all music. The definition of noise is a relatively loud and simple meaning, often meaningless sound like transportation noise, that denies you access to the faint meaningful expressions of life. In other words, noise is something that is toxic, that will shorten your life, increase stress in your body and everything like this, because you are being denied something which is basically your birthright, which is to be a healthy and aware person. We talk about ourselves being in the information age when you know, the urban environment with all its noise pollution is a dumbed down environment offering low amounts of information while it's offering high decibels. And natural ecosystems in the absence of noise pollution, and that's what I call quiet places, the absence of noise pollution, those are intelligent environments, smart environments of which you're able to use your own highly evolved senses to become fully aware of your surroundings. This is such a um, incredible experience because the, all the recordings that I do of nature are not mixed in the studio. They are authentic documents of the experience of being there in wearing headphones, for example, you're actually immersed in a 3D, not left-right stereo, immersed in a 3D space, all right, with pinpoint precision. These intelligent places convey a level of intimacy. So one of the common comments that I get, those that think they have listened to nature come out of that recorded experience of real nature simply going, I've never listened like this before. In other words, they've been maybe backpacking, maybe camping, maybe thinking they're listening, but everything that the modern world has taught us is all about filtering out and not listening. And until we actually take the time to remind ourselves to forget everything we've been taught about listening, filtering out, and open up. Just that's all I can say, open up. Because true listening, even a deaf person can listen. It's not just about sound. It's about seeing. It's about touching. It's about smelling and even tasting. Mm. Just to be in a place and allow yourself to truly come alive again as your ancestors once did. And, you know, every one of us here today and everyone listening today 
we are here because our ancestors were there back in time, allowing their gut-level instincts to correctly make the right choice often enough that their life was successful and evolution moves on. We are all winners, right? And we will continue to win, but only when we go back to that same gut level experience when we can be fully aware. I believe in the sacred experience of being in these wilderness amphitheaters so much that I take my work with me, not on a laptop, but I take my work in the form of questions, both personal and business questions, that in the modern world, in the distracted world, in the noise-polluted world, in my dumbed-down life then, they seem too complex. On one hand, there's all this to consider, and on this other hand, there's all this to consider. It just feels like I don't have enough information. So I take those questions, and then after I've spent some time either in the Amazon or by the wilderness seashore in Washington State or in the quietude of the whole rainforest or even on a mountaintop, just as long as I'm immersed in nature and I pull out those questions, they are always immediately answered in my gut level reaction on what the right thing for me to do. It's like a magic show that I've learned to respect. It's my way of saying that when you think you're so busy, you can't possibly take the time to get out there and open up. Actually, when you're so busy, you can't possibly afford not to get out there and answer these questions that are just your background noise nagging at your own life choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love to go there with people because we are quiet. We aren't expecting to hear answers from each other. We're expecting to hear answers from everything around us. Everything around us is busy creating, altering, modifying the emotion that we feel. And when I say emotion, that's the summary outcome of all our senses. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Hmm. So so you got any it, questions? You got yeah. any big life choices in, <laughs> sitting in front of you on your desk? You know, you want to write down on a note and then I'll give you an assignment to go to wherever. Yeah, <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering for those who are in like very noise polluted environments, are there ways to like truly listen in their in their day to day or do they have to remove themselves from that environment? The big workaround, because everyone, including myself, struggles with becoming a better listener. And the brain is very tricky. We've learned lots of bad habits. So even when we think we're listening, we're not. Okay, so the real workaround is our fascination with technology. 
We all seem to be fascinated with technology. So all you really need to do is get a microphone. And they have microphones now that'll plug into your smartphone. And you listen through the microphone wherever you are, all right? And now the brain, rather than filtering out, wants to hear what the microphone hears. And the microphone doesn't have a brain and is not filtering out. And all of a sudden, you hear the world around you live just the way that it is. And it's like an, oh, my God, experience. It's so busy. And you go, wow, mm. I didn't notice that. And this must be a particularly busy moment. It's just a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It's always busy where we generally live. And there is so much going on, right? The heightened sense of awareness, right? Now, having a heightened sense of awareness in a city is a problem because it's kind of overstimulating and chaotic. One sound does not have anything to do with the next sound. That's not how it is in nature. So I think nature provides good beginning material to become a better listener because every sound relates to the other sound. All those voices are busy listening to the other voices, so it becomes rhythmic, becomes structured. Actually, we can hear it as music, right? Because it is music. We have to slow down in order to hear it, though, right? And then once we have that aha moment and we're listening in the same way as a young child, right? So present. Then we can go back home and we can go back to the workplace in our lives and become a better listener too. And simply take it from there. Simply take it from there. So is that what you call a sound portrait? Is when you take your recording equipment out to a place and I capture do. that moment and mm -hmm. sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the job of the sound tracker is really as an usher. Okay. What I do when I walk into a wilderness amphitheater is I listen. And then I take different positions, different seats in this concert hall. And I determine what seats offer the optimum experience according to my style of artistry. And because of the technology that I use, I'm allowed to precisely seat the listener at that location. What's remarkable is you quickly learn when you're an usher and sitting in the different seats that as soon as you move even two inches in one direction or tilt slightly in another direction, the composition changes dramatically. We, we experience that through a camera lens, all right? That's a slight different framing, but eyes only see in one direction the ears take in sound 360, so it's half, it, I want it to be beautiful in every direction. And while the eyes only hit the surface of objects and you don't see what's behind an object, the ears hear everything, everything, even what's behind corners, whether it's dark out, 
no matter what, the ears hear everything and contribute towards that summary emotion. So in the listening to nature's music or our own music, it, it lets us know that listening is actually a performance. It's not just a casual, okay, I'm here, I'm not going to move. Okay, you quickly learn in nature you're here and you're moving and you want to move past what you feel, just like you're focusing a a lens on a camera. You want to move past what feels good, then back up to and then into the optimum feeling and hold yourself there. Hold yourself there. Time passes remarkably quickly because it's completely holding your attention. When have you done anything that's completely held your attention because your deep conscious spirit needs it, is thirsty for it, wants it, and it's all invisible? It's a great mystery. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, Gordon, that makes me think of Quiet Parks International and 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 protecting these mm-hmm. places that connect us to this. Uh, and Zabalo, you know, where mm-hmm. our where our trip and you know where we've shared these amazing memories uh, is the world's first quiet park. You know, for myself and for others, you know, that have been on this specific trip, and you know, it it takes a few days to to sink into that. But my it goodness, does. once once you do, and once that group sort of sinks into that moment, you know, that, that you described, uh, it's just, it's mystical. I'd love to hear a little mm-hmm. bit more about, you know, how can we protect these quiet places, you know, and, and especially with, with so, ma- so many of us not listening, right? That we haven't been given that gift mm-hmm. to, to open mm-hmm. up our awareness to, the, to, the, the, to that opportunity. The best way to preserve quiet is to experience quiet, especially those that ask themselves, what's the big deal about quiet? All this nothing, all this less is better, more. But in the quiet, because quiet is healthy, you can feel yourself heal, become healthier in that quiet. In the quiet, it's sort of in anything we love, we naturally then move to preserve it. Why? Because it becomes part of you, what you love. You know, we never ask ourselves um, when, if we have an ailing loved one in the hospital, oh, we can't afford it. You're going to have to leave the hospital. Or this is inconvenient or this, that, and the other thing. No, we never ask ourselves that. We only ask ourselves what we can do next. So I invite everyone to seek out a quiet place and have the quiet experience first. Many of us did as the result of COVID quite by accident. And now the world is beginning to get noisy again. We can hear the slow boil in the outside world as people are coming back to life and moving about. But let's not forget. And you can go to quietparks.org, make a contribution on our awarding of quiet parks. We have awarded an urban quiet park, 
in Yamashan, a half an hour outside of the city of Taipei on, in Taiwan, a city of millions, right? That's now serving as a quiet youth education program to understand the importance of listening to nature. And uh, we have five new urban quiet parks that will be awarded this year in Stockholm. We expect one in London, two in New York City. There's a groundswell of interest. We expect during 2021 or early 2022, because it's a little difficult to travel now, we're hoping the doors open up again. We have a uh, the world's largest European old growth forest in Pro Poland, which has reached out to us to be awarded to become a wilderness quiet park. We have locations in uh, Africa as well. And this is, it's really heartening because we all have a right to quiet. And it's not, quiet is no longer a luxury. Quiet, just like health, literacy, food is is something which we need to achieve our birthright of being who we are basic human rights right quiet at first i think was a very difficult sale because i had been working with the national park service uh, way back in the 90s and uh, to establish quiet parks then. A strange fact is that we tend to think the world is as it was when we were young children. And we hold that image of our favorite places in nature and forget that things have vastly changed. During my lifetime, the population of the U.S., for example, has doubled. In the last 20 years, air traffic over the United States has tripled and it's become the number one polluter of wilderness areas. But that's, that's to be expected when we don't recognize the value of quiet. And now that we do, we are, and the science is showing that it's healthy and it is the antidote to toxic noise, we can route aircraft around our most precious wilderness areas. Currently in the United States, we do not. We only route aircraft over military operational areas and places the White House for uh, issues of home security. We can do it for environmental reasons too. There's not a problem with that. It's totally done every day when there's a thunderstorm. Air traffic is rerouted around the thunderstorm. Let's just plant a thunderstorm permanently on top of all these areas and have air traffic constantly fly around. Let's not forget that right now we are dumping noise pollution in noise-sensitive areas. And even without people being on the ground, it still makes noise because wildlife need it to attract a mate and detect predators. It's an essential quality of their life too. So there's every reason why it should happen, and I believe it will happen, and is happening now at Quiet Parks International. I'm glad you brought up that point about noise pollution, how it affects the environment. 
We've also heard you say, Gordon, that all roads lead to quiet. Can you yeah, they explain do. a little bit about that? Not only do all roads lead to quiet, but many roads are different lengths, right? So whether you know now that you do want to find a quiet place and you take a beeline to one of our destinations at the quietparks.org website where we have a map of world destinations or whether you decide that, no, I'm not interested in quiet. I'm going to go play the slots down in Vegas or I'm going to go ride a freight train, which is a lovely experience. Eventually, you know, in this search and exploration of the planet, there is a feeling of quiet that is so healthy and so basic where we can actually feel ourselves. It's as if, you know, um, John Muir said, nature discovery is self-discovery. And we've also heard that the more you travel, the more you learn about home, right? And the more you hear, actually, and the more you listen, the more it takes you back to quiet. The Zabalo region in the Amazon as the first official quiet park, what what makes this place so special for you? After 40 years of searching the globe, listening, learning, feeling, Zabalo on first arrival was clearly what I thought could not it still exists on earth, a virtual Eden, and so beautiful, perfect, in fact, in beauty, with no hands of gardening. It's like, how can this happen? How can this happen? And then listening to dawn and the wake up, this is this is literally the center of biodiversity on the planet. It's in the Ecuadorian Amazon, right? The Amazon in general is diverse. This is the most diverse location. All the members of the symphony are there. Yes, they're sparse because there's so many voices. And at sunrise, wow. I don't think anybody can listen and watch a light change at dawn in the Amazon. So far removed, it takes days to get there. So far removed from modern thought and not be transformed. There are those that still live in fear where they simply buckle down and must hold on to their life. They're still on that windy road to quiet. 
and may not be in the Amazon. But the Amazon, this Eden, this symphony, this place in life that to my eyes and ears and senses is the most beautiful place on earth. This sometimes needs days to sink in. And sometimes the participants will be actually disappointed because they aren't feeling what they expected to feel. And my answer to them is, well, this is what you need to feel, is disappointed so you can finally arrive. Right? You can finally arrive. And sometimes they don't experience the Amazon and its beauty and the transformation until they get back home because they've become so immersed. But while they're there, their senses are busy collecting information, collecting all these scrap notes that they are going to then go back to the modern world with, and they go back to the modern world. And it's so true. When you go to the Amazon, you expect it to be different. But when you return home, you don't expect it to be different. And it will. Really different. Right? It's a mysterious process, and each person's uh, journey is different. Um, Jake, we've seen that on previous tours, mm -hmm. how um, it takes time. Each person's experience is different. There's a very unique opportunity that I don't know is offered by any other service and that we include the opportunity for a solo camp. And this is, I can talk about each one of my solo camping experiences in the Amazon because when I come out after, for some reason, I keep having these epiphanies. When I come out, I get another tattoo on my body as my cheat sheet in life. So I never forget these life-changing events. And it's where uh, a native Kofan will lead you by foot about two hours hike into the forest from the village, which has about 100 residents in the village. And then you go about two hours in foot and uh, you help them, even though you may not have a word in common, you help them and you communicate quite well just through normal body language and expression to build a shelter out of the materials that are growing within arm's reach and hunker down to spend a night alone in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> the, I, what mm. I like is, about it is that I'm always afraid when I'm going. I, I told Jake, I can't believe they're taking us. We're like babies you know, they're going to take <laughs> us and abandon us at separate locations, of course, as babies. And Jake is like laughing. He's going, yeah, I know, I know. And I go, I know nothing. How am I going to survive? And which is totally not true. I, I didn't think I knew anything, right? But it's when you give up 
when you give up and get out of the way and get through your fear and lose the constriction of fear and actually are willing to make yourself available to the intelligence of the jungle, all right, and understand that actually the jungle is more valuable than you as an individual. When you take yourself off the top of that pyramid and you're just somewhere lower, and then when you wake up in the morning totally fine, it is the dawn of a new day. Oh, my God, it's just so beautiful. So beautiful. Gordon, I, so. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's like a, an initiation uh, of sorts, you know? Yes. And, and, and that's it is with, with this journey and working with some of the clients and, you know, and, and the travelers that join us, you know, it is a process and we're, we're guiding them through that process and, and facilitating this experience because, you know, we, we've got to be primed for this experience. Right. And the few days that, that leading up to the, to the, uh, to the 24 hour solo, you know, you're slowly starting to get into that rhythm. You're starting to connect to the, to the forest and, you know, and then you're out there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, all of a sudden it gets real <laughs> and uh, yeah. you, you yeah. are brought into this new awareness. Like, and, and it's like being born again, you are transformed in that moment. You have to let go of outcome. You do. And um, there is, I have to say, one real transformative moment in my life, and Jake was there, is when I had to completely surrender to the fact that I was no longer in control of anything, of anything. And you never can be in the Amazon, right? The Amazon is so strong and busy. If anybody was in control it would be oh the army ants or the very diligent you know insects and things like that and so i let go of control and when i let go of control and let it happen then it was this aha moment in my life that i realized that was the problem in my personal life and my business life is I was working under the assumption, the myth, that if I want anything to happen, I have to make it happen. But in the Amazon, I understood that, no, what you do is you let things happen and that allows you to observe what is really happening and then you move with it, right? Mm -hmm. Since I've been applying that lesson, and by the way, when I got back, I talked to the chief and I asked the chief, but what's the Kofan expression? for let it happen. And he goes, oh, because of course, it's obvious to him, they let everything happen. Um, Kunsudaha. So, Kunsudaha. And because I'm right-handed, um, I knew I needed that tattoo on my right arm. So when I reach forward to make something happen, I get to read Kunsudaha and realize, oh, I'll loosen my grip, I'll back up a half step and pay attention and then try to move with what is already happening. Jake, do you yes. also have that same tattoo? I do, on my right <laughs> arm as well. Uh, and every day I'm reminded of that journey and, and that epiphany, you know, that mm -hmm. guides me every, every day. Let it happen, let it flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, one of the participants has the tattoo as well. On her left wrist, she decided, 
And uh, even our guide, Josh, who informed us of the electric eel in the water, he not only liked the idea of Kunsadaha and the tattoo, but he put it over his heart. Mm. Yes. Mm. So it's fun to be with a group of people that are all letting it happen and not expecting something to happen mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. When you're on a journey, something always happens next. Just loosen up mm-hmm. and let it happen. Kunsadaha. Kunsadaha. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I missed the end. I can't I'm wait to go to back. Taking you guys back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dying to go. Well, mm-hmm. most this is so interesting because most travelers and travel companies do their very best to eliminate challenges or disorienting experiences, but there are benefits and rewards to kind of lean into these challenging opportunities and experiences. What would you say that you have learned about maybe your yourself or life or the world by leaning into these challenges? I think each challenge has its own set of perception requirements. A lot of times we're facing challenges and we don't even see the challenge. And, you know, every challenge is an opportunity, Right. One of the things, one of the challenges that I'll point out when people are like shopping for what tour they're going to take next is they look at what's going to be offered. And that's one of the difficulties about getting a tour down to the Amazon is that most of these tours are whether, you know, people are dressing in a way that will look good in photographs, will entertain the tourists, but they are not, that's not the way they dress in their everyday. They're dressing up for the tourists. They're giving a performance for the tourists. They treat the tourists a certain way according to what their expectations are. It just goes on and on and on. Our tour, and in fact, the chief of the Kofan is staying with me now, and we talked about this the other day, is we refuse to perform. We refuse to perform. What we offer is an opportunity, a very authentic opportunity, to be escorted to what I, after 40 years of searching, consider to be a lifetime opportunity, hands down, at any price, period. And don't worry about the story. (laughs) The story will be there when you get home. Don't try to plan your story or tell your story before you go. The story is there waiting for you. It's uh, authenticity has become a must-use word for just the whole travel trend. But still, that doesn't make authenticity any easier to find. Let's just take a moment, okay, and listen to our destination and just listen to what it is telling each one of us, right, through the feelings, right? This is an unedited recording, 
This is the Amazon is so fast changing that it actually you can tell the time of day with experienced ears like the Kofan have, and they're like some of the best listeners on the planet. The chain of listening has never been broken in their culture, all right? Even though their population reduced in modern times from over 30,000 to just barely 300, and now they've increased in size to about 1,200 individuals, their journey through life has been incredible. I want to also say, before we listen to Zabala Wilderness Quiet Park, that they have invited us. We are not imposing Western values on the Kofan. The Kofan actually need us, and we need them to remain authentic and to keep Zabalo listening. International corporations know they are sitting on top of oil. They know they're sitting on top of gold. They know they're sitting on tropical hardwoods, all this value. But the Kofan have decided that they are people of the forest. And if they were to cash out, yes, they'd be materially rich, but time poor. They are people of the forest. They invite us down very much. And if you're worried about the carbon footprint of your jet travel down to Ecuador, don't worry about it because the homelands of the Kofan people are taking so much carbon out of the air that you probably have carbon credits for the rest of your life just by allowing Zabalo Wilderness Quiet Park to continue to exist while the Kofan people can continue to exist. This is a win, 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 win opportunity. Please come. I have one final yeah. question for you, Gordon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you could go back and give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, oh yeah. Um, to be honest with you, if I were to give advice to myself 
when I was 20 years old, knowing what I know now, I know that my 20-year-old self would not even listen to whatever I had to <laughs> say. Now, mm -hmm. if I were to able magically take control of my 20-year-old self and make that 20-year-old do something beyond its will, beyond its current level of development, I think I would want myself kidnapped. Kidnapped and taken down in the Amazon and go, here. Now, let me hear your concerns. Now talk to me. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And I would only ask those questions to myself after I had been down there for a week. You know, I knew so much fake knowledge. You know, I had so much fake confidence as a 20-year-old. How the world was and how the world should be, and I didn't understand why change took so long all these things, but it was really, I hadn't even become a listener then. No, I think that I would have to magically kidnap myself at 20 years, haul them off into the Amazon, and then tie myself to a tree and walk away. Mm -hmm. So I am with total confidence, I can say that as a 20-year-old, I would listen. You know, mm -hmm. I would listen to the jungle around me and form an emotional impression, which at first take would be a tidal wave of fear. But when, the, when nothing really happened in a threatening way, it then would be certainly the veil to mystery would be lifted and I would have become somebody else. After all, you know, I'm only the soundtracker today because I was not a good listener. And that's why when I suddenly listened, the world was so new, so fresh. Mm. And I was alive. And if you can be new, fresh, and alive, even for a moment, when, although you thought you were, but now all of a sudden you really are, there's no turning back. Your whole life gets changed. That's my answer, long-winded answer. Oh, it's beautiful. Gordon, I love that you shared, you know, that that uh, vision of being kidnapped as your 20-year-old self and it uh it actually makes me think of uh yesterday when I was preparing uh for for this conversation. I shared with my son, you know, who's who's 13 now, that when he turns 16, to, uh, that we we're going to bring him to to Zabalo and uh, to the Amazon. At first, he was a little nervous because he, he's heard some of the stories, but his, his eyes lit up. I, I can't wait to, to bring him down there. And as well as my daughter, Olive, when she turns 16, I think this is going to be a rite of passage you know, for, for our kids, you know, to your point, to, to open, up, open them up and, and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll come out of it like pilgrims. Uh, so, Gordon, uh, thank you for the time today. I know I'll see you soon, but uh, I can't wait to see you in the Amazon. This was absolutely beautiful. I almost feel like I meditated for an hour. <laughs> so thank you oh, so nice. much, yeah. Gordon, for being on this podcast. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you, Robin. I hope you all enjoyed this chat just as much as I did. 
Thank you so much again to the sound tracker, Gordon and Jake for joining me on this episode today. You can learn more about Gordon and connect with him via his website, soundtracker.com. Again, if you're interested in learning more about the Amazon Awakenings trip that he runs, visit our website, explorer-x.com, or get in touch with us at hello at explorer-x.com. Be sure to follow us on social media as well at Go Explorer X and our brand new podcast page at Wisdom and Wanderlust Podcast. And until next time, just take a moment to stop and listen. Bye, guys.